and welcome to the Children's Learning Disability Therapeutic Services Podcasts. We are here to provide advice and guidance to families who care for a child with a learning disability. My name is Louise McConnell, I'm the clinical lead for the service and today I'm with Sarah. Sarah, you're very welcome. Sarah is one of our behaviour specialists and we are going to have a chat today about sleep. So Sarah, just to begin, why don't you explain to our listeners a little bit about your role and the podcast today? Hi, um, so yes, I'm one of the behaviour specialists in the team. My background is in learning disability nursing. Um, I've worked as a nurse in a number of different services with both adults and children before working um, in this team. Um, and so, as you say, Louise, one of our areas that we touch on is sleep in our work with our, our families. And it'd be fair to say, Sarah, when you say touch on, it actually, we would find it how it has a significant impact uh, in a lot of our work. Um, may not necessarily be what is put on as the referral, but um, whenever we go to do our assessment, it is mentioned quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as we can all uh, know how we feel sometimes when we don't get a lot of sleep, it can kind of impact on those different things during the day as well. So, yeah, you're quite right. It mightn't be the, the, the main issue, but definitely a lack of sleep can um, affect how we how we feel during the day as well. So we thought it would be a good idea just to have a podcast about sleep because we know that it is it does have such a significant impact on on children's presentation. So just let's begin with why is sleep so important? Yeah, so sleep's important for a number of reasons. So it helps us to function effectively. It's important for our development and growth and allows our, our body and mind time to recharge. Um, and it can affect our energy levels and it also promotes a, a healthy immune system. Which is really important these days, particularly with COVID around. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So then for a child with a learning disability, why might we be thinking about sleep so much? So, yeah, we know um, that some children with learning disabilities um, may have um, difficulties with sleep and sometimes it can be due to um, some comorbidities or um, different illnesses or um, additional um, diagnosis. So some things maybe would be ADHD um, or autism um, and the impact that that can have on sleep. So ADHD, some kids can have higher levels of energy and maybe require less sleep um, or appear to require less sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also know that children with autistic spectrum disorder can have some difficulties maybe picking up the social cues in the lead up to bed um, or knowing what's expected of them or, or what's happening and sometimes that rigid thinking as well can, can be difficult um, the need for repetition and that can cause some difficulties with the bedtime routine so we know that some of those factors can can impact on children with learned disability and, and their sleep as well so what kind of things, if you are a parent with a child who has a learning disability, what kind of things might you be thinking about? So a good starting point would be thinking about your, your bedtime routine. Um, so thinking about your bedtime routine, try and think about your whole family and what um, would be a realistic time for everyone. So try to think about how much sleep your child needs, depending on their age and their level of activity. Um, so just kind of roughly a child between one to three would be 12 to 14 hours and um, a child of three to six would be around 10 to 12 hours seven to 12 years old would be about 10 to 11 hours and then 12 to 18 would be about eight to nine hours 
So just think about your child and how much sleep they need and then also what time they need to get up in the morning for school um, and then almost kind of work backwards. So how much sleep they need and then create your bedtime really around that. Um, also something that's going to be realistic for, for other kids and siblings as well and, and try to stick with that and, and work with that. I suppose I'm, I'm thinking about my own children here and actually whilst they're getting older, the time they need is less. But whenever they're going through particularly difficult times or they're changing developmentally, I do tend to find that they need a wee bit more sleep. Is that OK? Um, yeah, I suppose it's just, you know, you know your own child and if there is different things going on for them, you're always kind of keeping that in the back of your mind. Um, you know, again, with a child with a learning disability, we might see them having struggles in maybe different different ways. Um, so you'd be maybe thinking, OK, are they getting enough sleep or is there something going on for them here? Is there a particularly difficult time? And perhaps, yeah, they maybe will need a little bit more sleep at, at certain at certain times. Yeah. So what else do we need to be thinking about? So, yeah, we be good to be thinking about diet and food as well. So in the lead up to bedtime, try and avoid in high sugar foods and drinks and, and caffeine. Um, also something that um, can be quite a good pointer is try and minimise the amount of drinks after um, dinner time um, so as it won't interrupt the child's sleep and to use the bathroom during the night. Mm -hmm. We also need to think about the child's environment in the lead up to bedtime. And this is this is quite a big one. So try and reduce the stimulating activities within the environment. Things that might be useful to consider here would be noise, lighting, um, and trying to remove the TV or iPad where possible in the hour before bed. And it mightn't always be the easiest thing to do, but try and replace it with um, another motivating activity with the for the child, mm -hmm. um, thinking about their likes and dislikes. And I suppose that's hard for families to think about. Is it maybe thinking about what? they're watching on the likes of the TV or the iPad. Yeah, something maybe that um, is more common for them rather than, than um, something that, you know, maybe excites them or, or gets them quite overactive. Maybe something that's just more relaxing for them to watch at that time might be better. I suppose a good point to touch on here would be as well, things to replace the like of the iPad or TV might be um, some kind of sensory um, activity as well. Um, so we know that some children with a learning disability um, have additional sensory needs. Um, so try and think in terms of what you are replacing it with. Just like what you said there, Louise, if you're watching something on the iPad that maybe heightens them or whatever, you know, try and not introduce any activities before bed that can heighten um, your child as well. So try and think about what's actually common for them. Maybe some kind of fine motor um, skills activities or um, massage or, or something like that trying to replace replace it with something like that maybe can you give me a bit of an example of what a good sort of bedtime routine might look like so yeah maybe starting with something um relaxing um so this could be your um, alternative activity to your tv or your ipad so maybe hand foot massage or a book then thinking about um, some supper um, and as well thinking about if your child has any kind of medication and what time they need to have that administered before they go to bed. So trying to incorporate that in, into your routine. Then thinking about pyjamas on and brush teeth and then an opportunity to use the, the toilet is always useful as well because I know in my own house that's sometimes a mm -hmm. tactic for bed. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it might be quite useful even to just build that into your um, schedule. And I suppose touching on a schedule there, um, it could be useful to have a visual schedule in place. So we know that 
um, children with learning disabilities sometimes work quite well with um, visual schedules in place and it might be useful to think about listening to Orla's podcast and um, so the speech and language service from our team um, has a podcast um, specifically about visuals and, and schedules so that could be quite useful to um, listen to here to, to figure out what to put in or um, how to present the information to your child. So I'm going to bring you back to a couple of things there. So you were talking about bedtime routine and you mentioned there, you know, a child needs, say, 10 hours sleep. So in terms of a bedtime routine, I'm guessing to try and not make it too stimulating, it does need to be started a wee bit before you're expecting your child to go to bed. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to try and prepare the child so as they know what's happening and um, it's trying to get those kind of key sequence of events and, and giving your child time to process, okay, this is what's happening and this is what the routine looks like and okay, I'm getting ready for bed here and allowing them time to, to process that information um, and, and prepare them for bed. Um, you don't want to kind of have a, have a rush or have anything um, too quick in, in the lead up to bed. You want to try and get them as calm and relaxed um, as possible um, in the lead up to bedtime. Um, so that it's hopefully more successful when they when yeah. they do get into I'm just the bedroom think, and into into bed. Yeah, I'm just thinking of my own experience even going to bed. That if I've been busy or I've been out, I do tend to like to come in and wind down a little bit before I feel ready to go to bed. So this is what you're talking about is really the wind down time. It's just that bringing your body down to a calmer place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're just trying to get get the kids relaxed, um, so as it'll be more successful, hopefully, then for for sleep. Yeah. Following on to that, you mentioned medication. Yeah. What um, about medication then? Because we do get asked a lot about that. Yeah. So it is is quite a common um question. Um, I suppose the first thing to say about medication would be even if there's medication administered, it's alongside a good sleep pattern and sleep hygiene and sleep routine. Um, so it's not something that's that's done in isolation. However, if you know your child's not prescribed any medication and it might be something that you're that you're thinking about, um, it would be useful trying to put some of those sleep behavior kind of strategies in place beforehand to see um if those some of those things can be effective. We've talked there about the routine beforehand before going to bed. So essentially, bedtime starts before the time for bed. Yeah. Um, you've got your wind down, you might be using medication. What about the bedroom? Okay, yeah. So thinking about the um bedroom, you don't want the bedroom to be too warm. So thinking about your temperature, you don't want um the room to be too warm. You want the room to be nice and cool. Think as well about lighting, reduce the light where you can, but um if the child does want some form of light, just try and have a have a more dim light um, and it'll be useful to kind of keep this light the same throughout the night so if you're going to have a small light on in the room try and try and just keep um, the set in the same whenever the child falls falls asleep try and avoid as well too much on the bed or too many teddies and things can sometimes be distracting and can also cause some issues if they if your child likes them sitting a certain way and they fall off it can just be quite distracting sometimes Another thing which might not always be so easy, but toys try and limit where possible in your room to avoid distraction as well. So maybe put them um, away or, or put a cover over them to, to indicate sleep. 
Um, and that could be something maybe to incorporate into your bedtime mm-hmm. routine and schedule, like what we talked about there before, because, again, that's not always an easy bridge to try and cross whenever you're about to get your child into bed. It could be a good way of signaling to them as well. You know, this is sleep. This is what we're getting ready for earlier on in the evening and they're prepared and they know they're not going into the room to play with toys. Um, something else which might be good to think about as well is even, you know, pyjamas, you know, like tight, loose fitting, short sleeves, long sleeves, shorts or trousers, um, and bedding as well. Something um, which some families have found quite useful is maybe um, a sheet or duvet tucked in quite tightly as well. That can provide that sensory um, feeling of um, something quite tight around them and sound as well. So think about will they tolerate the door closed or... Um, would they like even something like white noise or, or soft music again you'd be wanting to try something like that during the day rather than introducing something new like that at night time um, but some of those those things can be quite useful too there's a lot of factors there yeah absolutely it's yeah. not just about getting your pyjamas on and getting into bed It's and it's not just about thinking, uh, having a bedroom it's about the temperature the light, the noise the stimulation even just as you say, down to whether a child likes a, a blanket around them quite tight or loose, mm-hmm. it's a lot for people to think about. Yeah. Something else as well, it can be quite common for some of our children with a learning disability would maybe be um, anxious or some anxieties and things might come out at night time as well. So a helpful wee pointer might be um, to try and get them to spend a wee bit more time in the room during the day and even maybe playing some kind of games in it during the day or even tolerating you withdrawing for for a short time during the day to allow them to become a wee bit more comfortable in the room if they do you know have some of those wee fears or worries whenever they're in the in the room on their own at night time could be helpful maybe and I know I was speaking to one of the other um specialists and can't remember who it was or what podcast but we were talking about how predictability and consistency can help reduce anxiety so doing the same bedtime routine can help yeah. with that reduction in anxiety as well yeah absolutely so then thinking about predictability and consistency and um, we're here people and um, no doubt that there are many people listening tonight or today thinking right that's something that I could try or something that I need to think about so for those listeners who are wanting to do make a change or do something differently, what would your advice be? Um, yeah, so I suppose this is kind of what's quite commonly asked of us whenever we go into homes and trying to help people with change. So I suppose I would kind of start by saying be prepared for change. So um, things might get worse before they get better. And in terms of sleep, try and get as much rest yourself as you can. And try and get your whole family on board and, and stick mm-hmm. to the plan, like what we talked about earlier in terms of the bedtime, your actual bedtime and your routine. Try and um, get everybody on board with it. It, it could be uh, more helpful for consistency in the house. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like toileting, isn't it? Whenever you decide to toilet train a, a child, you have to sort of nearly set a date. And yeah. Everyone in the house on deck, yeah. <laughs> Um, another thing in terms of making change would be try not to introduce any other change at that time so if sleep's what you're focusing on just focus on sleep something else which could be useful would be keeping a record Um, so trying to figure out what time they fall asleep at maybe what time you started your routine and then how long they they have slept for what time they waken up at 
and then on a good night try and take note of what happens and, and replicate it as much as, as you can. So yeah, try and ensure consistency and repetition of the same routine and visual schedule also. Something else which might be useful to consider is particularly if your child's um younger and um, trying to avoid maybe going for long journeys in the car whenever you're trying to get a good sleep pattern mm-hmm. in place as well. And thinking about physical activity, you know, making sure they're getting plenty of physical activity and um, thinking about your overall routine and your waking times, your level of activity and then we talked as well about how long before your bedtime your routine actually starts. So thinking about giving enough time in between your evening meal and your and your bedtime to try and fit all those things in to make sure that they are relaxed. Because I know in my house some nights by the time you get home and yeah. bath and dinner, um, it can be quite rushed. So trying to think about all of those things to allow your child plenty of time to, to relax. There is a bit of planning that needs to go into this. You know, it's not just as simple as, right, we're going to start putting our child to bed at nine o'clock and we're going to do that from tomorrow. Yeah. You do have to stop and sort of nearly plan it out like a calendar. Yeah, absolutely. And even like what you're saying there, if if you're if you're wanting to put your child to bed at nine o'clock tomorrow night, but they're used to going to bed at 11 o'clock. So, you know, that's too much of a jump. So try and make that gradual, you know, maybe even reduce it by 15 minutes every night until you get to your nine o'clock so starting small gradual steps in terms of you know timings and and what time you want the desired bedtime to be so it's important to remember that this is not going to change overnight yeah mm-hmm. so yeah just any change that that you make will take time and and stick with it I know it can be can be difficult sometimes but try and just stick with it and get support from um whoever whoever you can in terms of getting rest and getting yourself prepared for the change and I am minded to think because this is a time of the year where you can start to see the nights getting a bit brighter but I also know that that means in my house people are starting to waken up a little bit earlier as well so making change I suppose you also need to think about the time of the year it is as well yeah and, and what you're expecting yeah and equally that children do go through various times when they will wake in a bit earlier when it's brighter mornings but that's okay mm-hmm. yeah that's to be expected what should families do if um early wakening is a bit of an issue in the house particularly if there's other siblings in the house so yeah, be useful to try and think about why um, and think about how much sleep have they had, have they had enough um, in terms of their age and their level of activity um, or think about can we adjust bedtime, can we push it back and if you think that they haven't had enough sleep then it would be useful to try and go back to those last few steps of the bedtime um, routine so try and tuck them back in and keep your language and phrasing um, minimal and keep the phrasing the same and thinking about the gradual withdrawal method, which we'll we'll go on to talk about in in more detail further on in the podcast. But try and think about their environment as well. You know, what's happening when they fall asleep and has anything changed? Um, Is there a parent maybe or a carer that sits with them until they fall asleep and then whenever they wake up, is that person not there? Is that what's causing the early waking? Um, or again, is, is there wee worries or, mm-hmm. or anxieties? So it could even maybe be useful to have like a wee one-to-one during the day um, and discuss any wee worries. And sometimes writing them down can be quite helpful as well, just to get them down on paper um, for some kids. 
Um, and again, like what you'd said, Louise, is it the bright night or bright mornings? Um, so think about something maybe like a, a blackout blind and something which we have found useful is a grow clock in our house. So it's quite a visual, easy, useful thing to, to use. So it's blue when um, the child should be in bed and sleeping and then it turns to yellowy orange when the sun comes up and the child knows that's um, morning time. Some families will uh, think about early wakening but early wakening means up and out of bed and downstairs for others early wakening might be awake but in their bedroom is that okay yeah um i suppose if the child's happy and they have some maybe they like some kind of common sensory items or, or something like that that they can use but i suppose you're trying to think again you know have they had enough have they had enough sleep so you did mention their gradual withdrawal. Let's talk about that now because um, I think it's probably a good place for us to, to mention that idea. Um, yeah, so gradual withdrawal basically is to increase the distance between um, you and your child gradually over time. So you begin by sitting beside the bed, then moving a little further away, then maybe standing at the door and then outside the door until your child can fall asleep independently. And why do we want children to fall asleep independently? That can help with the like of what we were just talking there about the early morning awakening. You know, whenever a child's used to falling asleep um, with some, you know, parent or carer there and then they waken up in the middle of the night and that person's not there, um, you know, they're, they're automatically noticing the change and, and seeking maybe whoever was there before. What about sleeping in a parent's bed? So yeah, I suppose a starting point to think about would be could you transition to the, the child's bedroom with them? So, um, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight, but something um, gradual. So a first step could be maybe moving with the child to their bedroom, getting them used to their bedroom and sleeping with them there and then trying something like the gradual withdrawal method um, over time. I know that other families have found it helpful to think about how to make the, the bedroom a place that a child wants to sleep in. So, you know, a new bed, linen, maybe a new bed, rearranging the furniture and preparing the child in that way so that they maybe have a, a little story to explain that they're getting a wee bit bigger, a wee bit older, and this is their opportunity to have a big person's bed. Um, and all of those things might also be helpful. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's a good way, I suppose, to kind of get the child involved and, you know, kind of giving them a bit of choice in the whole thing as well, like the like of bed linen or what way they want their room arranged. And something which um, I have found quite useful as well is there's lots of TV programmes or nursery rhymes or, or things online that, that models the, the behaviour. I know my kids love watching those things on TV and there is some, you know, about bedtime and sleep or, or there's some books that's quite useful. And then again, we know for children um, with a learned disability, social stories and social scripts are, are mm -hmm. very useful sometimes as well. Just to see it in that visual way or, or modelling the behaviour can be quite useful sometimes. Anything else that might be helpful? Um, yeah, so there's some some other resources that might be um, good to check out. So Middletown um, have some information which would be useful. Um, the ASD service in the Northern Trust also has some great resources. There's Sleep Scotland resources and then the Children's Sleep Chart. I have some good resources as well and further reading and bits and pieces. So that all sounds really positive, Sarah. 
I'm thinking, great, I'm going to go home and sort out the sleep. <laughs> and tonight I'm going to think about the time, I'm going to think about um, what the bedroom's looking like, maybe empty out some of those toys, uh, make sure everybody's had a bit of a, maybe a bath or a shower, a milky drink for their supper, or brush their teeth, or having cuddle time. But what happens when it doesn't go according to plan? When it doesn't go according to plan, yes. I think we've all been there when it doesn't go <laughs> yes, we have. according to plans. I suppose the main kind of thing would be try yourself. It's not easy, but try yourself and keep yourself calm and, and relaxed because we know we want to keep the atmosphere calm and, and relaxed and children know when when our anxiety levels and stress levels might be um a bit higher. So say, for example, if the child's crying, so you're wanting to try and go in and keep the conversation minimal, um, you know, maybe just spare time um, in a low tone a few times and, and try and leave the room. So I suppose your aim, like what we talked about, is to have the child fall asleep on their own. So I suppose as a, as a first step, try and provide some form of comfort and, and have them settled in the bed th- themselves and then if not, um, perhaps go to the, the gradual withdrawal method if, if the child gets too distressed whenever you're you're leaving the room then, you know, sitting with them and then try and gradually increasing that over time. Any other pieces of advice for if it doesn't go to plan? Yeah, something which I always find useful to bear in mind was nothing lasts forever. <laughs> Don't know how many times I haven't told myself that, but just try and, and remember that, you know, change, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and um, it will maybe require some intensive input to to get the routine in place and and to to make that change. But but when you you get it in place, the benefits in the long run will definitely be be worthwhile. So just try and stick at it and get support from whoever you can and and just keep your head up. <laughs> yeah, keep your head up to keep your head down. So <laughs> um, Sarah, thank you very much. Much appreciated. We talked a lot there today about. The various things that you you need to be thinking about, and it can be it can be very difficult for parents whenever they're exhausted and they haven't had a good night's sleep to to maybe think about all those little details, but the little details do make a difference, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and listeners, thank you for listening. Um, I hope uh some of that was useful for you. I hope all of it was useful for you. As we've mentioned, there are resources out there for the, for you to follow up on. If you find this uh, useful, please let us know. We've got our uh, feedback questionnaires on the website and any other suggestions you would like to make, please don't hesitate. But for now, thank you and thank you, Sarah, and thank you. all the best. Thank you.